So Jesus says to his disciples, don't be anxious. Thanks. Uh, to me, that seems like the equivalent of saying, hey, calm down. Now, I don't know about you, but based on the samplings of my experience, both saying to somebody who's really worked up, calm down, and having people say to me, as I'm really worked up, calm down, the success rate is approximately 0%. In fact, it tends to just make people matter. <laughs> so that leads us to take a step back and say, what is Jesus doing here? What is he actually talking about? Now, it's interesting that when he says, like, don't be anxious about what you will eat or, or what you will wear, he's talking to a group of people who are typically on the edge of starvation, at least by our standards. Like, people lived hand-to-mouth, day-to-day. If you didn't work today, there's a reasonable chance that you will not eat unless some other people in your community were fortunate enough to have a little bit extra. This is not like the modern day where, you know, like, I could probably live for a while on the food that's in my freezer and in my pantry. So he's talking to people who have every right to be a little concerned at the very least uh, for their own survival. And then he has this, or he has the audacity to say, don't be anxious. Again, thanks. There are two lines. Um, in all of this section of Jesus' teaching that really um, caught my eye. The first is, hey, by worrying, I'm paraphrasing here, can you add any more time to your life? I mean, no. <laughs> Probably not. And so we'll use that as the entry point to this conversation about anxiety, because anxiety as, an, as a concept is very relevant today. Uh, it's very relevant every day. We as human beings tend to be anxious. And I, I think of like anxiety just in general, like capital A anxiety as, as, a, as a spectrum. And over here, we have anxiety as kind of like natural response. Like if it's 5.45 in the evening and I have not started dinner, I might feel anxious because I know that I should probably start dinner. And generally speaking, that anxiety will propel me to start dinner. Now that process can get a little short-circuited for me. I do have ADHD and one weird quirk about us is that sometimes when that anxiety builds, we just become less likely to do it. Um, that's not a fun way to live, just so you know. <laughs> So there's just like kind of anxiety, it sort of provokes a response and then we do it. That's fine. That's not what Jesus is talking about. But as you kind of go this way on the spectrum, this imaginary spectrum, you start to get into anxiety is more of like a, a maturity issue. Maturity emotionally, maturity spiritually. There's a relation there, by the way. And that's where I think Jesus' words are really helpful. Because the thing under the thing of what he's saying, like, hey, by worrying about things, can you add any extra time to your life? No. It, it, or he either, sorry, excuse me, bleh, um, I got anxious and I just lost my brains for a second. The thing under the thing of what Jesus is saying there is that sometimes we just start worrying about things that we have no control over. And in that regard, like, does the anxiety actually do anything for us? No. Of course not. 
Um, I remember one time, and I hesitate a little bit to use this example because it, it's an example of me actually doing something right, and that's a little like self-gratifying. Um, so it's you know whatever, but um, I'm anxious about that. But um, and and the the story itself, it's not even worth setting up. Basically, it was with this group of people. Somebody broke something on accident, and and he was really giving himself a hard time for it, and. There was nothing he could do about it, but he was—he kept beating himself up and apologizing, and oh, I can't believe I did that, uh, whatever. And it was honestly just getting annoying. And so I—I I sort of go over to him and I go, "Hey, um, is there any way to fix that?" He says, "Well, no." Okay, you, I mean, you obviously feel bad, but it, it, is that doing anything for you? Is that changing the situation at all? And he said, "No." So I just said, "Then why do it?" And he looked at me and goes, "Oh." that's right, you could be a therapist. <laughs> and my first thought was, no, I couldn't. <laughs> and second, it was also like, do you not know what I do for a living? Um, again, I hesitate because it's like one time where I, whatever. But it, I mean, it was true. Like, how many times are we getting anxious and it's doing nothing for us other than just making ourselves and everyone around us miserable? The thing under the thing of what Jesus is talking about here is why worry about things that you have no control over? And I would challenge you, and this is more just preaching as self-help, which is not usually a good idea. Um, the next time you find yourself feeling anxious, ask yourself, do I have any control over this? Um, this situation, this thing that I'm worried about, is, is it like, hey, those people over there are doing the wrong thing, and even though it really doesn't affect me at all, I'm still anxious about it? Because you don't have control. Maybe it's worth letting go. Or that thing over there, like on the other side of the world, or that thing on the other side of the country, or this thing that I cannot right now, by my actions, change or affect in any shape, way, or form. It, wh why bother? worrying about it, because it's not helping anything. It might be worth just trying to catch yourself. Talk yourself down a little bit. Be your own therapist, confidant, pastor, whatever. Just ask, why am I worrying about it? Because we as human beings like to pretend that we have control over things, and then when something happens that we don't like, we tend to worry about it, even though it does us no good. Now, as you kind of move further down that imaginary line, I don't even know if anxiety experts draw it on a spectrum like this, so take everything with a grain of salt. Um, when, you, when you get further down the line, um, and maybe you, you find yourself, you're one of those people that you find yourself, you worry all the time, and you're anxious about so many things, and it's consuming you, and it feels like there's nothing you can do about it, um, like even the things that you can't control, you're worried about, and you can't let it go, like then we're kind of getting into the realm of anxiety as a medical issue. So this is another kind of PSA sort of thing. Um, there are resources out there that can help. And I bring this up just because statistically, that's several people in this room. There's no shame in that. Sometimes that involves just a lot of a lot of work on yourself. It could involve therapy. It could involve a lot of refle reflection. It could, it could involve medical intervention, especially the more extreme you get. There's no shame in that. Um, once you get that far, though, I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about here. That doesn't seem like a Jesus thing to do, to say, hey, your brain is totally short-circuiting, but yeah, just try not to worry. Like, that, that, that doesn't make any sense. 
that middle group that I think Jesus is addressing. He says, don't worry. He says, look at the birds. I mean, they don't gather things into storehouses, and yet God feeds them. And in classic Jewish argumentation, he says, how much more valuable are you? And if God feeds the ravens, why wouldn't he feed you? And then he draws on imagery of like rains coming through a dry countryside and very beautiful flowers popping up for a brief period of time, and then they dry out. He says, and also look at how gorgeous those flowers are. Like Solomon, the great wise king, like he didn't even dress that snappy. And that they're here today and gone tomorrow. Like, you were so much more valuable than that. And then he gives us that second line that really caught my eye. He says, the Father knows what you need. And when we get into that territory, I don't know about you, but for me, that starts to feel a little more like the conversation uh, we had a few weeks ago, I think, about prayer. Where Jesus says, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. Um, yeah, but what about all the times when I have and he didn't? You know, and we talked about that a few weeks ago. It's on our Vimeo page. I don't remember what I said. You can go find it. Um, but it says the Father knows what you need. Why is that not quite as comforting as I would hope? Because at least in sort of my own mind, and maybe this is my own pathology and anxiety, like I tend to start thinking about the times when I needed something and then I didn't get what I think I needed. It's enormously frustrating. Maybe you find yourself in that same boat. Like you're thinking, yeah, but if God knew what I needed, <laughs> why didn't it work out like that? And the question under the thing, under the thing here, is a very almost um, offensive question, which is, do you trust God? Well, do you? Now, if I think about it really hard, as, as a theologian, of course, my first uh, um, response will be, what do you mean by trust? <laughs> Let's define these terms here. Because a lot of times when I use the word, the phrase trusting God, or other, I hear other people talking about trusting God, they mean something different. I mean something different. Because the, ultimately, the answer is often no. Because when I talk about trusting God, a lot of times what I mean is, do I trust God for a particular result that I have in mind. Kind of like a, hey God, I have an idea about how this thing should go, these things that I need, so if you could just do that, that would be awesome. Um, it's not really how that works, is it? So sometimes I have to say no. I don't always trust God because what God is doing and what I want God to do are two different things often. And that creates a tremendous amount of anxiety. Now, here's a very cheap shot. And then we'll talk a little bit more about trust. 
Here's the cheap shot. What were you worried about a year ago? What was consuming you a year ago? My guess is there are two categories here. Most of us don't remember. It felt big at the time. But if we don't remember what it was, <laughs> maybe it wasn't that big of a deal. And so therefore, the thing that's consuming me right now, the things that I'm really worried about, maybe not, they're not that big of a deal. It turns out God knew what I needed. The other category, of course, is if you do remember what you were worried about a year ago, I'd be willing to bet it was catastrophic, like kind of of the life-changing variety. And that's normal. So when Jesus starts saying, like, as an antidote to this anxiety, like, seek the kingdom of God, like, seek the things that are on God's heart, um, and then he goes into that section of a little bit of what that looks like. It's like serving others, loving others, giving to the poor, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked. Like, what he's saying is ultimately, that's what you need. Be a part of what God is doing in the world and let God take care of the rest. That maybe that thing that you're worried about is not quite what is on God's heart. That God has something else in mind. He's doing something different. And worrying about it and just trying to control it is probably not going to help. Now, um, I'll give you an example. Uh, this is a big example from my own life. Um, as I, I assume most of you know, um, I, when I was in seminary on October the 14th, 2005, I was escorted out of my first class of that morning and taken directly to the emergency room because I was like actively about to die of leukemia. Not fun. Uh, also, October 14th happens to be my wife's birthday. Don't do that. <laughs> um, and it, it, was, it was, of course, just an unrelenting nightmare. And one of the things that was really, really scary, very anxiety-provoking, but there was so little we could do about it, was the whole issue of insurance. How are we going to just pay for this? Because I was on this really cheap, like, student insurance plan, which had a very low uh, lifetime maximum, which those are not allowed anymore, thankfully, which was really scary because uh, we kind of worked things out. Like, I could blow through that lifetime maximum in a couple of months if things were a little shaky. And I, they put me on this, like, pretty new class of, of drug, medication, um, that was enormously expensive. At the time, it was about $3,000 a month. Now, by the way, the one I'm on is like $13,000 a month. And, and so, of course, their prescription plan was terrible, and so we were just, we were basically looking at, like, bankruptcy um, or, or the possibility, the real possibility of, like, my parents selling their house. Like, it was just... It was not a calm time. Now, throughout that period of our lives, as we were just trying to figure out how are we going to stabilize me and not lose everything, 
Like, I, I definitely had some ideas. Like, hey, God, I know what I need right now. <laughs> like, I need to not have leukemia. That would be super. Um, I, I, I need things to, to work out. Like, I need my health back. My anxiety was pretty high. But God had other plans. Um, Katie, my wife, started working for this uh, organization um, in September. And it was like a temp to perm thing. And, and so she uh, was eventually like brought on full time. And they had their own insurance, but this was before I had been diagnosed with leukemia. Um, and it was fine. I mean, I was 22. I didn't, I don't, we don't need to shell out that extra money for um, insurance uh, because I'm 22 and I'm invincible. <laughs> um, and he, or, uh, so I didn't get on that plan and then promptly almost died. This was also back in the day when a pre-existing condition, which I had, um, meant that I couldn't get on that insurance. And then, and I don't remember, it was probably my wife that caught this. It was almost certainly not me because I'm not the type to catch this. Um, we realized that actually the start date because we were still in the enrollment period for insurance, the start date was before I got sick. And I could still enroll. And everything would get backdated to September before I got sick. And it worked. Sometimes we are certain about what we need and in our anxiety, we desire to control how that outcome comes about. And sometimes, God has bigger things in mind. God is doing something different. God is not interested in solving our problems. He is interested in growing us as disciples maturing us as followers of Jesus. And that is so much better. Now, ultimately, like, in the wake of this, um, like, everything, what Jesus has said, what I've got through, like, all of that, um, there's one aspect of anxiety that I haven't really touched on, and that is, like, that, that, that anxiety that we all have as human beings that leads us to ask some very deep questions. Questions like, am I acceptable? Am I good enough? Do I belong? Am I loved? We as human beings cannot shake those questions. And if you find somebody who is uh, insistent that they don't need any of that, they are lying to you and they are probably the most insecure person in, in the room. Jesus not only says, don't worry, God is here and he loves you. But he's the one that ends up answering those deep questions too. I can confidently say that God loves, cares, and accepts you where you are, as you are, for who you are. Because in this ultimate demonstration of love, Jesus, the one who had the audacity to say, do not be anxious, went to his 
death for you. Because he loves you. No matter how much you want to try to control things and tell God how to do his job and and how you, no matter how convinced we are that this is what I need and this is how we should do it, like all, no, all of that melts away. Because through Jesus, those anxieties are soothed by the fact that you are infinitely, voraciously loved by your Creator and His Son. Amen. I invite you to rise as you are able.